we have been doing a study on the Holy Spirit and it's good to learn about the Holy Spirit because we might not realize it but Jesus Christ is in heaven. The Bible tells us he's seated at the right hand of God. And when we talk about God being here with us, guess who is here? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead who is active in our world today. And so some people say, you shouldn't be talking about the Holy Spirit because the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to Jesus. And we agree. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just have one purpose. The Holy Spirit is very much God himself. And as God, he is the one who teaches and helps and leads us and indwells us and uses the, the, the gifts that he has planted in us to reach the world so that we can bless others. And so that's why we focus on the Holy Spirit. And some people say the Holy Spirit didn't really talk about himself. That's not true. In the Bible, we read, the Holy Spirit said, and when the Bible says the Holy Spirit, in, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit said this. Guess who inspired somebody to say the Holy Spirit said? The Holy Spirit. And so, as the person who inspired the book of Acts, and some people call the book of Acts the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, then it means that the Holy Spirit is the one who is inspiring. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit said, we're simply saying that the Holy Spirit is doing something fantastic. And so we want to just get in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's why we took the first week to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And the reason we want to learn about the fruit of the Spirit is that we want to learn how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit is going to give us gifts, we are going to abuse God's people, we're going to abuse other people by using the gifts of God. And we think that we're blessing people, but sometimes we're really messing up people's lives. And so we need to learn about what the Holy Spirit is doing. There was this man who was going to buy a car. And he went to the dealership, and this was a long time ago. This was when automatic cars were just getting, coming in, in vogue. And so he's there to learn how to, to get his, his latest stick shift. But someone said to him, well, you know, we have this new thing that is coming in, and it's really easy to drive. And he said, no, 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 I don't want that. I like to, to feel the power of moving the gears. So just give me my, my manual. He said, okay, I will sell you whatever manual stick and a stick shift that you want, but just give the automatic car a test. And so he drove around a little in, in the parking lot. Just didn't do much. He just drove in the parking lot. And as he drove around in the parking lot, he realized this thing is really good. So the man said, okay, I'll buy this car, but give me some quick instructions. So the man said, all right. All you have to do is, you see that letter D? If you want to drive, just put it in D. If you want to go in low gear, 
before they, they used to have L rather than just one. They, they put it in L for low gear. And if you want, oh, oh, don't say anymore. I understand. He saw the letters on the, 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 the thing. So he bought the car. He's out of the parking lot. And he's going on I-95. And so he's driving at 50 miles per hour. And someone came up to him. And he drove up to his car and then pulled back. And then drove up to his car and pulled back. And he's trying to want to say, I wonder what this man is, is trying to do. He drives up to him, pulls back, and then all of a sudden he says, Oh, I understand what he's doing. He wants to race. And so he just pushes the car in R. Sometimes, when we hear a part of the story and don't wait to hear the full story, we miss out on something very important. And so what I am doing in the series on the Holy Spirit is I am taking us step by step by step talking about the Holy Spirit and his gifts because I want us to understand how we need to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so as we, we have been talking about the, the fruit of the Spirit. That is a way that we are going to learn how to operate with the gifts that he's going to give us. And there has been a lot of confusion about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we, we read in the Bible about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we think that all the gifts in the Bible are really the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today's message is about the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts. But before talking about the revelation gifts, I want to just uh, explain a little bit. I give a, an overview of all the gifts so that we can understand where we are. Because the Bible talks about graces. He talks about the, it talks about the, the gifts of the Father. It talks about the gifts of the Son. And it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let me just show you what we're talking about when we mention the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will see where there are different gifts listed. And so I want you to understand that not all the gifts listed in the Bible are the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, reading from verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So see, it is, it's talking about the, the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so if we, we just double back, sometimes we, we know about a passage and we jump and just go to the passage that we, we know about. And we don't read the rest, but let's double back and look at what comes before that. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So let me tell you what's happening here. It talks about the gifts 
of the Spirit. Then in verse 5, it talks about the ministries of the Lord. And then in verse 6, it talks about diversities of activities, but the same God. So notice that the Trinity is shown right here. It's talking about the Spirit, the Lord, and it's also talking about the Father. And so we're going to just take a little time to understand the differences. And in understanding spiritual gifts, the first set of gifts that we need to understand are the gifts of the Father. Notice what the, the, the passage says. It says there are differences in ministries but the same Lord, diversities of activities but the same God. So we're going to start by looking at the, the gifts of the Father, then move on to the gifts of the Son, and then finally the gifts of the Spirit where we're going to talk specifically today about the revelation gifts. So Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. And I'm going to ask you to try to bring your Bible to church. Sometimes I will have the scripture verses on the screen. But I want you to bring your Bible because sometimes you will see something as I'm reading. And you might be able to mark something and go ahead or behind. Because sometimes people just grab one verse and they don't look what comes before that verse. That's what we need to do. We need to look what comes before and what comes after. So Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. For I say, though the for I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we, as many, thank you very much. All right, so here we go. This is my binoculars. I'm, 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 I'm trying to read, and, and I just refuse to, to acknowledge the fact that I, I can't see anymore. So here we go. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually as members of one another. Having then the gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have the gifts of the Father. And if you have ever done any studies in psychology, this is what would be called the motivational gifts. And everyone has a motivational gift or a number of motivational gifts. If you have studied, you probably have heard about things like the DISC system. Have you ever taken a DISC test where they, they dis decide what kind of motivational gift you have? And there are gifts for, such as administrator and compassionate or you're a giver or exhorter, server, perceiver. Those gifts are all different ways of looking at the gifts of the Father that are listed here. So the gifts of the Father that we hear about from time to time starts with the gift of prophecy. 
And not every person who has this gift of the Father will be a Christian. Sometimes we think that if God gives a gift, he only gives gifts to the Christians. That's not quite true. The Bible says he causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And so the Father will give gifts to people from their born. That's why they call them the motivational gifts. And so you will hear, for example, a person like Gandhi. Gandhi was a real prophet. Now, he's not a Christian prophet, but he spoke in his generation and he directed people in the right path as far as peace, as far as justice, as far as equality. That's a, a prophetic gift. We have people like Bob Marley. Bob Marley, the singer, he was a Rastafarian, dreadlocks, and he smoked his pot. But guess what? He had a real prophetic gift where he, he shared and he spoke out against apartheid and he spoke about, uh, against being, being arguing against people and injustice. He spoke out for the rights of people. Then we have some modern day prophets like Bono who through his singing, he's speaking for justice and he's asking people to look and on people who are, are being unjustly treated. Those are prophets. Those are the prophetic gifts. Then we have things like ministry. Sometimes we hear people operating and doing certain things, and we say, that person must be a Christian. And then we check it out. They're not a Christian, but they are ministering to others. When we watch CNN, every Thanksgiving they have this special CNN Awards and these people are helping others. They are ministering to others. And many of them have never given their lives to Jesus Christ. They are just ministering because they have that gift of the Father to minister. We have teaching. That is the most obvious one. You hear teachers, and teachers will just simply, they are good teachers. You put them in the classroom. The students begin to learn. They understand what the teacher is doing. Those are gifts that the Father just gives you. And it's yours regardless of whether you have given your life to him or not. Exhortation. If you have ever met somebody with a gift of exhortation, you know it. Because when you're finished and you think everything is finished, they say, oh, and I just want to encourage you. And every time you see them, they have a, a word of encouragement. It's like they're the bubbly people and they always have a good word. I had, I had one student in one of my classes. She wrote a note, and she gave me that note to encourage me in my class. They're just people who have the gift of encouragement, and that's a gift of the Father. Then you have leadership, mercy. And you have many excellent leaders, and these excellent leaders are not necessarily Christian leaders. So that's what God does. He just simply reigns his love on the just and the unjust. Can you imagine the world we would have if only the Christians operated in all the gifts? We would be in a lot of trouble because sometimes as Christians, what we do, we minister to the church and we leave the world alone. And that's bad. Sometimes people who are not Christians put us to shame with their diligence and their love for others, with caring for their brothers, they put us to shame. So those are the gifts of the Father, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. Then the next set of gifts are the gifts of the Son. 
the gifts of the Son, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And these gifts of the Son, they are called the five-fold ministry office gifts. I don't know if you have ever heard the gifts, that anyone talking about the five-fold ministry offices? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm going to read a couple of verses before. Here we go. Verse, starting from verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Notice that Jesus Christ gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. When he descended, is also the one who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11. Now he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So here we have it. The fivefold ministry gifts. Prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And all these gifts are given to the church. These five gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are administrative roles in the church. These are the people who lead the church and help God's people to know how to conduct themselves. And different offices in these fivefold ministry offices function in different ways. For example, the apostle. An apostle is still a gift, an office that is in existence today. Sometimes we think that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, but the fivefold ministry offices have gone, and so all the apostles have gone. Not quite true. The apostles are the ones who, first of all, they establish new work. You have some people who they will plant a church here, and a few years after they have planted that church and that church is growing, they're gone somewhere else to plant a different work. They're gone somewhere else to plant a different work, and they're just leading the, these congregations. That is usually a sign of someone who is called in the office of the apostle. Now, we have a big problem with apostle in the church today. And the reason is that whenever we hear somebody call themselves apostle, we start rolling our eyes and we start saying, yeah, right. And do you have an, a, a business card that says apostle? And we just put down and tear down these people all the time. But guess what? If God has called somebody to be an apostle, what's wrong with them acknowledging that they are an apostle. Now, I believe that there should be a certain amount of humility, but nothing is wrong with somebody acknowledging the gift and the calling of God on their lives. And so somebody who says, well, who are you? Are you they say, I'm an apostle. Don't immediately say, yeah, right, and, and start putting ourselves awake. Examine their lives and see if as we examine their lives, their lives are depicting what an apostle should be. First of all, they're planting new work. 
Second, there is the gift, the, the element of the miraculous in their lives. Do we see miracles and signs and wonders, wonders following their lives? If so, then we don't say, no, you're not an apostle. We acknowledge and we embrace the fivefold ministry offices because guess what? These are the people who spearhead the church. And you don't want a church out there on its own, doing its own thing. Because before you know it, that church is into error. Go Church is in an apostolic ministry. We are under New Life Providence Church and New Life Ministries International. So we also answer to someone else. And each week, I send a report just to tell what's going on in the church. Because we are on the subjection. We don't want to just be out there doing our own thing. And then nobody knows what's going on. That's why so many churches fall. Because there is no administration. There is none to, to say, this is what's going on. Wait. You can't just do that. You need to help to see how things are being developed. So that's the role of the apostle. The prophet. The prophet is a person. And we're going to talk about prophets a little bit more. Because this is one of the gifts of the spirit. So... Notice that there was a gift of the prophecy in the father's gift, and there's a gift of the prophet in the office for the son. And so we'll talk about that. So I won't spend any time with that. But the evangelist. The evangelist is the one who is the one who usually has a burden to lead people to Christ. But not only that he or she has a burden to lead people to Christ, but whenever they preach, people are always coming to Christ. And so somebody like Billy Graham, he's an evangelist. We know that. I don't know if you have ever listened to a message from Billy Graham, but his messages are some very basic messages. In fact, he has about 12 messages that he keeps recycling. And he will use different stories, different examples, but it's the same gospel he's presenting over and over again. Now, if you took somebody and let them study a Billy Graham message, and that person went out and they preached the same exact message Billy Graham preached, chances are a few people will come to Christ, but you probably wouldn't have the thousands of people coming to Christ as that person, as Billy Graham does. You know why? Because he has the office of an evangelist. Then next, we have the teachers. And teachers are the ones who help to spearhead the teaching in the church. Now, sometimes we get it wrong. That we think that because we have the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, and I'm coming to the pastor, that their role is simply to do the things themselves. This brings me to the pastors. I am not here saying anything about any other ministry. But a role of a pastor is not the role of a person who preaches on a Sunday morning. That's just a small part of the role of the pastor. Notice what the verse says here. And if you can see it on the screen, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher, the apostle, they are to edify the church. They are, their main job is to equip the church so that the church can go out and do the work of ministry. See how that works? 
So my job as a pastor is to look to see who is God sending here and see how can I help this person to be fully equipped to go out and do the work of ministry that God has called them to do. That's my primary job. So those are the fivefold ministry offices of the church. And the church has not, for the most part, been functioning with the fivefold ministry offices where they should be functioning. Meaning, in every church, we should have an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, an evangelist, and a teacher functioning. And when all five come together and they're functioning in unity, that's when we see the church begin to grow and thrive. Because if your pastor is simply an evangelist and that's all he does, then your church is going to go one direction. If you don't have the prophetic voice to say, no, 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 you can't do that because thus says the Lord, you're having a problem. If you have no one to, to be, be teaching and, and helping the, the saints to grow, what will happen is that we will be a mile wide but an inch deep. Because we need to get some deep teaching from God. Then apart from the gifts of the Father and the gifts of the Son, which are the fivefold ministry offices, we have certain spiritual graces, certain special graces that God has given to the church. The first one is hospitality. And this picture right here is a picture of mercy chefs. And they are a group of people who just simply go out and they minister to others. They'll cook. And wherever you have a disaster, they will go out and they will minister. So that's one special grace. Then we have the grace of celibacy. People who have decided that they are not going to get married, but for the rest of their life, they are going to remain single in order to serve. Now hear me very carefully. In the charismatic church, in the Pentecostal church, in Baptist churches, in, in many of the more non-traditional churches, Protestant churches, we have done an injustice to the Catholic church. Because, not because they worship a different way from we worship, should we look down on them. There are Catholic people who have given their entire lives so they have left their home, they have left their family, and all they do is sit in the presence of God. Like these nuns, they sit in the presence of God and they invite the presence of God in our society. Now, we don't understand it. I don't understand it. In fact, Dahlia wanted to be a, a, a nun, and I converted her. But these nuns, they actually spend time just in the presence of God and they devote their lives to simply praying, to being silent before God. And we should respect them even though we worship different from the way they worship. Mother Teresa, she was someone who gave her entire life to minister to others. She decided, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to just simply devote my life and I'm going to be married to Jesus Christ. I was touched. I watched an, an Oprah show once, and Oprah was examining the lives of these nuns who were going to become nuns, leaving, up their, leaving their lives behind. And I almost, this is the first time I'm watching an Oprah show, and I'm almost crying. 
but I saw these nuns, they, when they're going to take their vows of chastity, they lay down on the floor, face down, as if they're saying, I am giving myself to you. Lord, I am marrying you. No, I want to be married to the Lord. But sometimes we just simply put the Catholic aside. So it's very important. Then the final special grace is martyrdom. None of us want to become martyrs for Christ. But God has given a special grace to some people to follow Jesus Christ unto death. And Stephen, when he, in the, the, the Acts of the Apostles, when he was being stoned to death, Stephen looked up in, to heaven and he saw as if ev heaven opened up. And he saw the glory of God. That's a special grace that God gives to the church. So we have looked at the gifts of the Father. We have looked at the gifts of the Son. And we have looked at special graces. Now it's time for us to turn to the spiritual gifts. And look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So turn back to 1 Corinthians 12 for me quickly. And we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to the church. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he comes and he pours out the gifts upon us. Now, there are nine gifts that we just read in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. And these nine gifts are divided up in three different sections. So here's the overview of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. First, we have the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts and the different revelation gifts that we have. First of all, the gift of word of wisdom. I'm going to talk about the revelation gifts today, but I'm just going to go through all of them right now. The gift of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. So those are the three gifts that fall in the revelation gifts. Next, we have the power gifts. And today I'm talking about just the revelation gifts that I'm going to go on in two weeks' time to talk about the power gifts. In next week, we are going to be having our special Family Sunday where we're going to take a break from the sermon series and we're going to have question and answer. So remember to bring your questions next week and we'll answer those questions for you. So we're going to be talking about the Revelation gifts, then take a break next week for our Family Sunday, and then in two weeks' time, we're going to be talking about the power gifts. The power gifts are the gifts of faith, 
gifts of healings, the working of miracles. Then we have the vocal gifts, which are the gifts of prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And notice there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you look in Galatians chapter 5, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. So somewhere I think that God is telling us that if we're going to exercise the gifts of the Spirit, we need to exercise them in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. So let's begin to look at the revelation gift, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. First one is the, the word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. Luke chapter 2, verses 20 to 26, and I'm going to turn there quickly. And the gift of word of wisdom is a gift that is given to the church. Which is a special supernatural utterance. It's a supernatural utterance given through the spirit that discloses the mind, purpose, and way of God as applied to a specific situation. So what will happen is that there is a situation that is at hand and you need to apply a certain amount of wisdom. And the person with the gift of word of wisdom is the person who is able to give the precise word of God for that moment. And as that person gives the word of God for that moment, things change. And it's not just wisdom of the world. It's wisdom that comes supernaturally from God that changes things. So here we go. Luke chapter 20, verses 20 to 26. So they watched him, and he said, this is Jesus Christ, and sent spies to pretend to be righteous that they might seize his word in order to deliver him him to the power and authority of the governor. Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show favor or you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God, God's. So here they're trying to trick Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ gives them one sentence that completely dismisses them. It's a word of wisdom. Now, there is nothing special about saying, give to Caesar the things that are God's and give to God the things that are God's. There is nothing special about that. And that is one of the things about the gift of word of wisdom. It's not what you say. It is when you say what you say and the power it has behind the words themselves. Because Jesus Christ had the precise word to say at the precise moment that changed everything. See how that works? 
And so the gift of word of wisdom is simply giving a word that is needed at the precise time that will change everything. Here's how you can know when you have the gift of word of wisdom. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to give gifts to you. And notice the, the verse in 1 Corinthians said, he gives it to you individually. We talked about that last week. So how do you know if you have the gift of word of wisdom? One of the things that you will find is that you will say things, and as you say these things, people will begin to say, wait, 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 wait one second, let me write this down. Because you have just said something, and you, you haven't even thought of it. You don't think it's anything, anything great, but you have just said something in their lives. And as you have said that, people stop and they ask you, how do you think of that? No, if you, you, you realize that in your life, after you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, people are beginning to respond to you that way, and people are always coming to you for advice, chances are God has placed a certain amount of wisdom in you, and that wisdom is transforming your life. Now, the, the gift of word of wisdom operates different ways. First of all, it operates educationally. Whereas you might be studying, and all of a sudden you start receiving these, these downloads from the Spirit. And God gives you the, the ability to understand things that you would not normally understand. That's one way that the gift of word of wisdom operates. Then it also operates instinctively. You just say something, and not only are your friends asked, saying, hold on that one second, let me write it down, but sometimes you say something, and you say, one sec, let me write that down. <laughs> because you have surprised yourself. How did I think of that? And you don't know how you thought of that because it is happening instinctively where God is just giving you a supernatural download for the precise moment. I had a teacher when I was in South Florida and she was an admitted atheist. And she was teaching things that were very risque, and she, she touted her, her atheism. And one day I'm listening to her, and I said to her, so you don't really believe in God. You don't really not believe in God. You just are upset with God for what has happened in your life. And she paused. And then she said, no one has ever said that to me. So in one sentence, God gave me a phrase that completely messed up 20 years of her atheism. That's what God, no, that is nothing fantastic. Anybody could have said that. And sometimes you hear somebody and say, I could have said that. The issue is not you could have said that. The issue is you didn't. Because God has given supernatural wisdom for you to be able to speak in a certain situation that will transform what's going on. So here are the problems. Because with all the gifts, there are some issues that we need to work on. And one of the big problems with the gift of word of wisdom is that people think you're a know-it-all. Because you have been working through this issue for the last 6 to 12 months. 
and you've tried everything that you can try and you cannot figure out the situation and you share it with somebody and the person says, oh, what you need to do is this, 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 and this and it will solve the problem. How dare you belittle the issue that I have been facing because I have been going through this and I have been working through every single thing that I need to do and you think that it's just as simple as doing this, 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 and this? But guess what? If they go and do this, 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 and this, it solves the problem completely because God has given you that gift of wisdom to speak about that situation that they're facing that will completely change what's going on. And here's, here's something that you need to know. When you speak with the gift of word of wisdom, not only are you just speaking, but God's spirit is taking the words of wisdom that you speak into situations and he's using those words to transform what's going on. So not only is the gift of word of wisdom a gift that has wisdom behind the words, but it has a spiritual power that transforms a situation itself. See how that works? And so here's the deal. If you have the gift of word of wisdom, you need to use wisdom to use the gift. Not because God has given you in five seconds or less the answer to somebody's problem doesn't mean that you go and you tell them this is what you need to do. Sometimes you have to use wisdom to know I have to wait for the right time till the person is ready to do the things that they need to do before I release the word that God has given me to release in their life. You have to use wisdom to exercise the gift of word of wisdom. Next gift that we're going to talk about in the gifts of the Revelation gifts is the gift of word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 18. The gift of word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of information pertaining to a person or an event given for a specific purpose, usually having to do with an immediate need. And so... What the word of knowledge is, is God giving you knowledge that nobody else gave you. In other words, he tells you things that nobody else told you. The situation that we have here in John chapter 4 is Jesus and the Samaritan woman. This woman goes to this well... And she sees this man, a Jew, and this Jew begins to talk to her, Jesus Christ. And as he's talking to her, he begins to reveal things about her life that nobody could have told him. Because no Samaritan would tell him that this woman that he's talking to has indeed had five husbands. And the person that she's with now is not really her husband. And so Jesus reveals supernaturally, these things that are happening in her life. And as Jesus reveals these things, she says, Surely I recognize that you are a prophet of God. So that's the gift of word of knowledge. And the gift of word of knowledge is one that is really a powerful gift of the Holy Spirit. Because what you're doing is you're reading people's mail. 
you tell them, yesterday you had this for breakfast. And when you are 16, this is what happened in your life. That's an operation of the gift of word of wisdom, of, of the word of knowledge. Because God is simply telling you things that nobody else told you. I've had conversations with people even in this church that God revealed to somebody, if you get up at your, out of your, your bed right here at 2 o'clock in the morning and go to this location, you will find this person doing this thing. Go and tell them that I know what's going on in your life and I am going to be able to do something. And so th that person was able to move from where they were, go and confront somebody, tell them what's going on, tell them that God knows what they were doing because God is the one who revealed this to them. That's the gift of word of knowledge. Now, this gift is one that has been abused many times. And I want to show you a clip from a movie. And this clip from this movie is called Leap of Faith, where this person has been running a scheme, a racket. And what he's doing is he is having this 10 crusade and he has people planted throughout the church and they're listening to people as they're coming in and listening to their conversations. They're writing it on slips of paper and then they're forwarding it to him. And he is able to use that knowledge to pretend as if he has the gift of word of knowledge. Let's watch the clip. strike unto him. 
Lord, I hear you. Please forgive me. Well, Jesus forgives you. Now say hallelujah. Fishing camp, section four, row F. You, sir, come up on stage and be cured of your gambling. White shirt, back problem. And you, sir, believe in the Lord and cure your backaches. Same section, yellow shirt. Curie. So that's what Hollywood thinks of the gift of word of knowledge. And sometimes people have done that in the past. But here's something for us to know. There is a true gift of word of knowledge where God reveals details such as the details he was given right there. And if we would not be lazy, but we would listen to what God is saying, he would really begin to reveal himself the way we just saw right there. So how do we learn to operate in this gift of word of knowledge where God actually gives us wisdom by his spirit for us to operate? First of all, we have to listen to God. And we have to learn to hear his voice. The Bible says, my sheep knows my voice. And you have to learn to listen. And then as you listen, you have to test the water little by little by little. God tells you that somebody is being bothered by this thing, you ask them, are you being bothered by this thing? And you take it step by step by step until you learn to understand and hear when God is speaking. But what we do is, sometimes we hear God speaking and we move and begin to speak without waiting for the rest of what he's saying. In the book of, of Samuel, when, when God called Samuel, he said, Samuel. And Samuel went to Eli and said, what should I do? And he said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. But what do we do today? We hear God says, saying, Samuel. And we jump out of our bed and we say, I have heard the voice of the Lord. And he has said, I know your name. Your name is Samuel. See how that works? And we start going around the place and we think that that is the, the distinct, the complete word of God. And we are given this person and say, the Lord says, your name is S-A-M-E-U-E-L. That's not the word of God. God wanted to speak more. God wanted to say more about what this person is going through. But we don't take the time to listen. We have to take the time and say, Lord, you have identified a situation now begin to reveal your knowledge about that situation. Sometimes there may be a physical indicator. For example, a couple weeks ago, in the middle of the service, I felt a sharp pain right here. And I'm wondering, is this something to do with me? And I understood by the Spirit that God was saying, that he wants to touch someone in this area. And so I, I, I spoke that thing out. And someone came forward for prayer. And she wrote on the, prayer, the praise request last week. That since we prayed for her the week before. She has had no pain. 
in this area. That's how God sometimes gives the gift of word of knowledge. And as you speak those things out, then he begins to see, to operate and you begin to see more and more miracles. But you have to listen to the word of God. Sometimes you're just simply going to be speaking into the dark. Meaning you're going to say something and you have no indicator whatsoever if you're right or wrong. That's why you need to spend time with God and learn to trust him. Because the more you spend time with him and the more you listen to him, the more you begin to hear what he's saying and you recognize when he's speaking. So what's the problem with word of wisdom? You second guess yourself all the time. Word of knowledge. The problem with word of knowledge is that you second guess yourself all the time. Because should I say this to the person? or not, because you can go wrong every single time. And so you second guess yourself all the time. The next thing is that people are afraid of you. And the reason they are afraid of you is they think you know their stuff. And when you know their stuff, they don't want to be around you because they're doing things that they should not be doing, and then God is going to reveal that thing about their lives to you, and they are afraid, and so they are going to stay far from you. They are afraid of being near to you because you will reveal them. And by the way, God will reveal some of your stuff. And so that's why I say it's about to get uncomfortable here because as God pours the gift of word of knowledge more into Go Church, some things are going to be revealed. And some people might not necessarily want those things revealed when God does it. The next gift and the final gift we're going to look at this morning is the gift of discerning of spirits. Gift of discerning of spirits. John chapter 2 verses 23 to 25 talks about Jesus Christ not doing many miracles because even though they were praising him, he knew their hearts and he knew that they were really wolf in sheep's clothing. And so sometimes we have somebody who comes and they pretend as if they are this type of person, but they're not really this type of person. They're really somebody else, and they're pretending as if they're somebody like this because they want to get something, they want to achieve something. Especially these young guys these days. Sometimes they come to church because they want to get a nice Christian girl. They're wolf in sheep's clothing. And so God needs to be able to say, look, even though he's dressed in a three-piece suit, even though he's speaking all the right words, his motives are wrong. And so the gift of discerning of spirit is the ability to discern the spirit world, especially to detect the true source of circumstances and motivation of people. Now, there are two main manifestations of the gift of discernment of spirits. The first type is the ability to know what God is doing. This is the gift, if I would just share with you, the gift that I am I'm strongest in, the gift of discernment of spirits. And I am stronger in this first type than the other type I'm going to talk about in a second. But the gift of being able to tell what God is doing is a gift where you're able to look and you don't know somebody and you're able to say, 
this is what God is doing in your life because you can recognize God's power upon a certain situation. And God gives different indicators in certain people. For example, this morning, during the time of pre-service prayer, I sensed while one person was praying, the very presence of God just going through my body. That is an indicator. I, I cheat. And my, my cheating is I, I don't have to guess. God just lets me experience his fullness. You, you, you know how sometimes you get goosebumps? Well, it's like getting goosebumps, but it's not really goosebumps. You know the difference between being cold and having goof, goosebumps than when it's the presence of God in you. And while this person was praying, I sensed the presence of God on that person's prayer. I don't really know the person. I mean, I know the person from a few conversations, but I don't really know the person. But I know that that person has been before the master because I have the able, I'm able to discern what God is doing in that person's life. And this is a very important gift for pastors and apostles because they need to be able to see what God is doing in the midst of people and being able to say, look, even though you are being, being hidden and even though you're just sitting down in the back row or on the side or you're not saying anything, God doesn't want you sitting there, down there doing nothing. God wants you up here doing something. And so that's one of the reasons why I am looking out in the congregation and saying, Lord, what are you doing in the lives of people? The second way that the gift of discernment of spirit operates is you're able to detect what the devil is doing. You see demonic forces. You see the power of darkness over people's lives. Now, these are the people who know that Beyonce is in the Illuminati. And they know all the, the members of the Illuminati. And they know which person is, is being demon-possessed and which person is having which, which demonic signs. And, and they have all the videos to show you about it. And they can show you the books because they're following that very carefully. Because... They have this gift of discernment and they can see what the devil is doing very much. Both of these manifestations of the gift of discernment are equally important. But here's the problem. Sometimes when the one person operates more in the gift of discernment where they can discern what the devil is doing, they want everybody around them to operate in the gift of discernment too. So because Beyonce... Now, I don't know if Beyonce is in the Illuminati. I'm just saying that because people have said that. So, because she's in this, you need to know and you need to watch and see the symbols in her music video that she's doing. And then you have these people there, they're talking about backmasking. You know how you, you play a, a record back ways and you can hear certain coded messages. These are the people who discerned it. Now, I don't know how somebody knows that they need to play this record backwards. But these people, they are discerning what the devil is doing and they can tell right off the bat this is what the devil is doing and they can identify what he's doing. Pastor Jane has this very, very strongly. She is able to tell what the devil is doing. Now, here are some of the problems with this gift. First, you want everybody to be in your camp. You want everybody to have the latest tapes and the latest this and the latest that and sometimes 
you can become a little bit overbearing because you are seeing the devil in this and you're in a, in a Christian meeting and you're saying, there is a spirit here that, that and you want to, to go and announce that there's a spirit here and it might not necessarily be time for that to be announced or that might not be the way that God wants you to operate. And so just as you need to use the gift of, you need to use wisdom in operating the gift of word of wisdom, you need discernment in operating the gift of discernment. Because if you don't use discernment, you are going to announce things when you shouldn't announce them. And sometimes God will reveal something to you that it's not for you to go and announce it to anybody else. And it's not even for you to announce it to the person. Sometimes all that means is that you should pray for the person. Now, the person who operates in the, the gift of discernment, the, the type that shows what God is doing, that person normally is tending towards the ministry of calling others out in the church, the apostles and the pastors. That person usually operates more over that side. The other side of it is the person who operates in the discernment where they can tell what the devil is doing. God is usually calling them to a ministry of deliverance where they will be the ones to expel demons from people's lives. And so both are equally important. Here's the next problem. When you have the gift of discernment, it's easy for us to have a judgmental spirit. Because we think that we don't need to spend time to learn about somebody. Mm -mm, demon. <laughs> demon. And you don't want to spend time to get to know the person because you already know that that person is, is, is operating with the spirit of the death. And so it's very important for us not to become judgmental in operating this gift of the spirit. And so, my brothers and sisters, today I have simply shared with you about the revelation gifts. You have the gift of word of wisdom and God wants to pour his wisdom in your life to minister to others in specific instances then there is the gift of word of knowledge where God gives you knowledge that nobody else gave you and that is able to reveal the hearts of people then there is the gift of discernment of spirits where God shows you what he is doing and sometimes he shows you what the devil is doing. And both are important. I believe that God is calling us to a higher level of ministry. You see, when you know the word of God, it's time for you to take the word of God and use it. And so when we take a break, for example, in the middle of our services and we have a cafe break, this is a, one of the times that you can begin to, to, to share some wisdom with somebody else. This is the time for you to be, be tapping into the spirit and saying, Lord, what knowledge are you sharing with me to share with somebody else? This is the time for you to discern what God is doing and say, my brother, I see that God is showing you something and God wants to use you in this way. We have to be growing up as Christians. When you go on the job and you're out in the, the marketplace, you need to be using the gifts that God has placed in you because he wants you 
to go and win the world for Christ. And so that's why the Holy Spirit empowers us. Because he wants us to operate in the power of his spirit. And so as we are being filled with his spirit, I believe God is calling us to rise to a new level of ministry. The way we operated in the past can't be the way we operate in the future. Because God is teaching you and he's teaching you for a purpose. And so I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want to pray this morning that God will fill you with his gift of knowledge and wisdom and discernment that you would operate in might. Paul says we should desire spiritual gifts. If you don't see yourself operating in these gifts before, you have permission from the Bible to ask God for these gifts. Lord, I ask you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, speak to your people. Lord, we are asking you to reveal yourself. We're asking you, Lord, that you would grant that we would move in the power of your might, Lord. For, Lord, we have heard your word and we know that you want to minister in and through us, Lord. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. I ask you, Lord, pour out your spirit, Lord. Pour out your spirit on your people, O God. Grant that, Lord, as we go day by day, we would hear what you are saying. Grant, Heavenly Father, that we will reveal the secrets of man's heart, Lord. That, Lord, as they hear the revelation of your spirit, that, Lord, they will be convicted by your spirit. I ask you, Heavenly Father, pour your wisdom out upon us, Lord. That in every situation, we would operate, Lord, like you want us to. Lord, give us the, the, the words to speak that would transform situations, God. Give us the discernment, Lord, to know what you are doing. The discernment to know what the devil is doing, Lord. That, Lord, we would operate in a new way. My brothers and sisters, the Lord is calling us to a higher level. He's calling us to move in might. He's calling us to move in power. And so as you go this week, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his Shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel and know that wherever you go, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you even until the end of the world. Amen and amen, amen.
God bless you all.